welcome back to another episode of uh, fintech x and uh, today we have a very special guest with us uh, mr anurag jain he is the co-founder and, and executive director at credix india's leading uh, cash flow solution provider to large corporates and smes in india an iit kanpur alumnus and a techie turned entrepreneur with 18 plus years of experience in the financial services sector he has vast experience in driving business growth in companies like hsbc oracle and tevan technologies before co-founding credix in 2015 deep knowledge in uh, financial aspect as well as the business aspect along with technical uh, you are a techie yeah. as well right yeah. So uh, and apart from that, uh, you have also uh, you're also part of a DLA as in yeah. a very core member of the DLA. Yeah. Uh, so today we will be discussing on the topic uh, of uh, MSMEs uh, and how the policies previous uh, how the government previously had uh, had come up with policies for MSMEs and uh, how they've affected MSMEs. Mm -hmm. What is the scope along with Digital India in right. the picture? Uh, thanks, uh, Madhuri. So, I think uh, as far as uh, Narendra Modi's last term is concerned, uh, it has been quite disruptive as far as the MSME reforms uh, are concerned, and you know the initiatives around Digital India uh, are concerned because uh, a lot of uh, new initiatives came out uh, during the last term, and a uh, lot of these have actually been executed on ground so it has you know they've not remained on paper and they've actually been executed on ground and which kind of has created uh, sort of uh, some disruption in the msme space so if you look at the uh, primary schemes that uh, came up during the last term i think uh, you know uh, i think i should definitely mention about the mudra scheme correct Pradhan Mantri Mudra Yojana, which is essentially a scheme wherein uh, an entrepreneur or or an MSME can get a loan up to ten lakhs without any kind of collateral, without any kind of uh, you know property lien or any kind of other uh, security deposit, and they can use it for different uh, purposes. So uh, the way it works is so it it is basically classified into three categories. I mean, so one is the shishu category, okay, wherein uh, you can use the you know, this particular scheme to get loans up to fifty thousand. Okay. Okay. Beyond that, from fifty thousand to five lakhs, you have a kishore category, you know, which is where you look at uh, uh, you know if you have any kind of medical needs or. any urgent uh, you know needs for your business you can right, go right. for it then you have a tarun uh, scheme tarun uh, kind of category wherein you can get up loans up to 10 lakhs right. so this was uh, primarily done through the uh, channel partners or the banks uh, across the different locations throughout the india so the way it works is the government actually asks these uh, you know mfis or you know the, the public sector banks nbfcs were present in the last miler to actually disburse these kind of loans okay. and that has been one of the biggest uh, i would say uh, you know the uh, you know and and a scheme which has actually gone down to the last mile because right. if you look at the latest numbers the mudra scheme has disbursed loans close to 8 lakh 90000 crores wow that's so since huge since the time uh, right. it started and which is definitely a very very right right 
big number and it is it is it has it has been growing for the last couple of years uh, so they started with 1,44,000 crores uh, in the first year okay. then they went to two and a half thousand and I think in the last fiscal they actually crossed three lakh crores wow. and I think around 3.12 lakhs uh, to be precise so I think that that has been one of the most uh, disruptive schemes uh, that has come out on the MSME side Apart from that, uh, there were a couple of others uh, which uh, you know t- uh, turned out to be pretty useful for the MSMEs, especially for the GST uh, compliant MSMEs. So MSMEs who have registered themselves uh, under the GST and are complying with the GST laws and regulations, they were able to actually get a rebate of two percent on the loans. Okay. Of you know uh, up to one crores. So, you know, that that has turned out to be a good incentive for right. people to actually look at, uh, you know, being compliant with GST and uh, sort of adhering to the laws so that A, it actually is increasing your uh, indirect tax base. Right. Because more and more people are coming under GST because of the incentives that they're getting, because of the kind of benefits that the government is providing to GST compliant uh, businesses. And in, in the, on the other hand, this money that is being collected through the indirect uh, taxes is being routed back to sort of uh, bring out more schemes to be able to uh, take the financial inclusion to the last mile. So th- those were the two, three things. And apart from that, one other thing that the government has done around uh, uh, sourcing of uh, material and sourcing of industrial supplies is to come up with a government e-marketplace. Right. What that means is uh, all the sourcing of all the material for all the public sector banks and you know the central government uh, uh, entities would be done through a common online portal. Okay. So the way it helps is that uh, you are able to get or source these materials in bulk and you are able to get the best rate. So instead of asking for a RFP for each and every purchase order that you are rolling out in the market, you are basically aggregating the whole demand and putting it in front of the manufacturers or the you know the industries, so that you are able to get the best rate. So that ends up saving a lot of uh, money for most of these public sector entities, and also it basically brings about a lot of transparency in the whole process. Yes. So you you don't see you know any more uh, corruption in the tendering process. You right, know right. you everything is online, right. and whosoever is giving the best rate is able to you know get, get those tenders. Yeah. So that has been another thing. Um, there was one more uh, initiative wherein the public sector units were uh, sort of uh, mandated to source 25% of their uh, materials from MSME units. Okay. So initially, I think it was around 20%, mm-hmm. but they brought it to 25%. So that there is uh, you know more offtake from the, the MSMEs, MSMEs and they are able to prosper and sort of take their business to the next level. Also for uh, exporters, there were uh, some additional soaps that were given uh, by the government. And I think in terms of the subvention, uh, there was anywhere between 3 to 5% of uh, benefit in terms of the loans that uh, the exporters were uh, taking from these government entities. 
So overall, if you see, there has been a lot of push <coughs> from the government side in terms of uh, helping the MSMEs, getting them to uh, be able to avail financing through different public sector banks and central government entities. And so that they are able to uh, prosper and you know our, our GDP growth uh, you know remains intact and grows at a decent pace you know as, as what has been projected by the government. So uh, considering the fact that already mm -hmm. uh, so much is already being done, yeah. what uh, where do you think uh, you know few years uh, or in let let's just keep it to this term this. What more can we expect in this term, or how much more will will there be more policies, or will it be worked upon this? As in, what is your uh, uh, assumption, or uh, as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur yourself? So, uh, given the fact that uh, you know the Narendra Modi government is back uh, for another term, I think uh, it's good from a continuity perspective. A lot of these schemes that were. Uh, sort of uh, initiated by this government would continue and uh, you know they would be able to take it to the next level because i think a lot of these things take a lot of time to you know mature you know the gestation period is high i mean if you look at uh, things like uh, sort of uh, you know pushing the mudra loans or uh, you know, making government e-marketplace more vibrant, getting more uh, public sector entities to participate in it. Right. You know, all those things take a lot of time. And, and, you know, if you are able to see another term, I think, you know, there is a more ground level execution that right. we'll see in, in the coming uh, tenure. And especially given the fact that uh, most of these MSMEs are contributing mm -hmm. close to 40% as far as the GDP growth is concerned. Yes. I think uh, that's the right uh, direction as well uh, because unless and until these MSMEs prosper, you know, we will not be able to see the kind of growth uh, that we have uh, projected for the next couple of years. Right, that is true. So, uh, people everywhere are talking about Digital India 2.0 mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and what is your take on it? As in, just uh, how would you explain Digital 2.0? What is the concept behind it? And uh, See, Where basically, uh, Digital India is a flagship program right. of the government of India with a vision to empower the society, you know, and make it a more, you know, knowledge economy. Right, right. So that uh, the basic, you know, availability of data to each and every individual, hmm. even, uh, you know, through the remotest corners of the country, becomes accessible. Right. They are able to utilize, they are able to see what is best for them and be able to get, you know, read from the inputs that are available you know, online. So I think uh, that is the program that the government has come up with. And it is very important uh, to equip these MSMEs with all these, uh, you know, digital India initiatives and come up with the infrastructure so that they are able to you know make the best use of it so i'll, I'll give you an example so uh, the bharat net program for example so bharat net program is an initiative by the government to basically connect the 6 lakh gram panchayats across india now what that means is once you have all these uh, you know gram panchayats connected with each other and through internet the farmers are able to access the details about a let's say you know the what are the weather updates 
what are what the what are the kind of seeds that they should sow you know before the the sowing season starts what is the kind of uh, what are the kind of issues that the you know the farmers in other parts of india have come across and how have they been able to overcome that so those are the you know a few of the examples that would actually help uh, the farmers to be able to save themselves from any kind of you know failure crop okay. or any kind of weather related uh, you know catastrophes or any any other uh, you know failure prone uh, activities right. and they would be better equipped uh, with the knowledge that is already available in the market right so uh, i think the the government has made a lot of effort uh, to push that whilst uh, the last information that we have was that only around 1.2 lakh uh, uh, villages have so far been connected oh. but uh, i think with the government continuing for the second term i think they would be boosting this up right. in the next term so that they are able to reach their target of 6 lakh uh, villages uh, i think by 2022 so that was that is one of the things other initiatives around uh, digital india involve uh, again on the on the financial inclusion side coming up or setting up a public infrastructure right so in 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 you know in any kind of an economy in, in a big economy if you see if you have to drive financial inclusion you have to come up with a public infrastructure right. public digital infrastructure that enables people to use more uh, you know digital uh, you know media to be able to use uh, let's say digital payments or accessing or you know funding their needs through digital lending so those kind of aspects require a lot of support from the government as well right what that means is uh, you know so in the last term if you see government came up with an india stack uh, you know architecture you know which had a set of apis which helped basically in terms of uh, you know the e authentication you know presenceless paperless authentication of individuals for utilizing or using their uh, you know uh, any kind of uh, services whether it is telecom whether it is your to do with opening an account whether it is to do with getting a loan from the bank so those kind of uh, things have come up uh, in the last uh, term and uh, the government is also pushing on you know coming up with a public infrastructure at a pan india level right. so that more and more people are getting aligned to the mainstream economy and why it is important is is because for every problem that an individual or an entity or a group of people come up with somebody somewhere has found a solution for it yes so if you're connected you know you will be able to figure that out so i mean uh, as the saying goes you don't need to fall to see that it hurts right. right so if you are able to figure out what are what are the problems what are what have been the issues around uh, you know Uh, you know any kind of a particular uh, problem you'll be able to see the solution around it so, so the, the the there are a lot of efforts that are going around uh, digital india and uh, i think that will be one of the key pillars uh, to drive financial inclusion uh, so rbi in its comprehensive payment vision document published mm-hmm. rules and regulations 
with respect to fintech mm -hmm. the rbi has also encouraged fintech yep. uh, companies to use and help create a dollar 1 trillion digital economy by Correct. 2025 okay so uh, what are your views on this so basically uh, if you look at the payments uh, vision document uh, this basically gives out the outlook or the kind of uh, plan that the rbi has for the payments space in india right so first of all why is payments space important i mean when you talk about a cashless mm -hmm. or a less cash economy yeah. you know what that means is you need to have more and more transactions through the digital mode right you you should be using less cash you should be doing you know lesser uh, clearing as you know in, as far as paper clearing is concerned so to be able to reduce the usage of paper wet signatures mm -hmm. you know uh, you know physical uh, kind of payments that are being done or check payments for example so to be able to reduce that you need to move towards a more uh, you know digital economy now payment system is one of the biggest enablers for that right. and which is where since 2002 rbi has been coming up with this vision for every three years okay. starting 2002 so what that means is that you know they they plan for the next three years basis what they have seen in the previous three years okay. and what that brings us to is that going forward I mean, and, and there have been a lot of uh, things that have changed in the last couple of years, uh, you know, in the last three years, in fact, uh, if you look at the growth in the electronic payments, uh, you know, the increase has been right. substantial. If you look at uh, in terms of the volume, you know, the IMPS and right. the RTGS transactions have, you know, sort of grown dramatically right. and exponentially. And even the clearing mechanism that today we see in the banks have mostly gone paperless right that is true so you know through the clearing corporation of india you know a lot of these things have moved to a more digital uh, kind of a you know world right so what payment system vision basically recognizes is the need for continued emphasis on innovation cyber security financial inclusion customer protection and competition so basically the core theme is to empowering exceptional e-payment experience right, right. not only for the individuals but also for the stakeholders who are involved in it the the payment systems operators the in fact the entire ecosystem yeah. per se when you when you walk into a retail store you know, you know today you should be getting multiple options that are a cost effective right be safe and see you know people should be aware of it yeah. that, you know these are the things that are available and they should be ready to make the payment uh, through those options so what the document does is it basically outlines the vision for the next three years okay what it is uh, trying to do and what 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 is it in, in you know uh, what is the plan for uh, the next three years three as far years, as the payment yeah. space is concerned so one of the things if you see uh, uh, on the expectation side or the plan side is to decrease the share of paper-based clearing okay as a percentage of retail payments yeah. So, if they are able to drive that, they'll be able to reduce the usage of checks or you know other paper-based instruments. Right, right. 
second is the accelerated growth in uh, the electronic payments whether it is through any of the payment system operators whether it is through upi whether it is through any kind of uh, you know let's say the bharat uh, qr code uh, you know through any of these mechanisms if they are able to increase the retail payments you know that will be uh, you know a good thing and and each of these metrics have some numbers associated with them okay so let's say if you talk about uh, you know the decrease in the paper based clearing so the expectation is that the volume of the check based payments would be less than 2% of the retail electronic transactions by 2021 okay. for uh, growth in the electronic payments they are basically looking at uh, registering an average annualized growth of 100% and for neft they are expecting a 40% growth okay so what they've done is they've uh, you know set themselves a target right. for the next couple of years and they will ensure that through uh, regulatory intervention right. through right. creating a conducive environment they are able to achieve all these objectives then the uh, one of the other things that uh, they're looking at is to increase the uh, use of digital mode for purchase of goods so what they don't want uh, to do is uh, you know to increase the debit card transactions what they want to do is to increase the digital modes of payments whether it is through the upi or any other uh, you know possible uh, methods so also you know increasing the uh, deployment of card acceptance i mean uh, for one of the things that you need to do to enhance that is to create a pos infrastructure okay. so point of sales infrastructure for uh, the remotest parts of the right, country right. so that so today if you look at if you if you are carrying a card you know in tier 1 and tier 2 two cities you will still find uh, people who are accepting it Right. But the moment you go to tier three cities and in the remote parts of the country, people are still skeptical. People don't have the infrastructure to that, that sort of uh, you know you use that card or accept that card. I mean, so, there's a different, drastic uh, difference between metropolitan cities because here, yeah. I mean, being uh, prof- being professionals ourselves, we kind of I think we don't even use cash. We don't have cash in our wallets Correct. right Correct. now, and we mostly rely on all the the U. APIs uh, and uh, card payment and all these things, but when it comes to rural, I think that there's still a long way. Is the other way around? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I would go and tell them, oh, okay, uh, let's, uh, I'll do you, I'll give you through Google Pay. I, they don't even know what's Google correct, Pay right correct, now. Correct, correct, correct. So I think establishing that is one of the major challenge right now. I agree. Where I agree. they have to. get that trust and that is something trust basis on digital things is something that it's not just in terms of payment it is in for a lot of things we have okay. to gain that trust absolutely absolutely right and the other thing that they want to enhance is the payment through mobile medium right you know, mobile payments increasing the transactions for mobile payments reducing the fraud to sales ratio and uh, today one of the biggest things if you see that runs in any any consumer's mind is if i use electronic medium yeah. or a digital mode medium will my account get uh, compromised will my money be you know sort of siphoned off so you know reducing the fraud to sales ratio will help them get that trust in the system right right 
because one of the biggest impediments if you see from a consumer perspective has been the distrust yes you know they they don't want to move to the digital medium i mean even when all the options are available in the market right right so if that is still there with the consumers they will not move to it in spite of all the public infrastructure that you build in spite of all the you know the payment service uh, operators who are providing all kind of services in the market so that distrust has to go right, and which right. will i think happen over a period of time as and when uh, you know you see lot many people accepting it lot you know there's there's more awareness around it and people are able to use it uh, more conveniently and you know it's like a hassle free right, right, right. uh, mode uh, of doing it so the last point i think uh, you know they had covered in this is to create a create a healthy competition right right so when you talk about uh, the payments ecosystem if you see I think one of the beneficiaries have been the consumers. Yes. Uh, with so many players getting into the space and uh, all offering cutting edge technologies, kind of uh, you know rock bottom costs for anything and everything. I think consumers uh, are benefiting out of it, and, and that has been one of the objectives of the vision document as well. If they are able to create a healthy environment, you know, you know, keeping in mind that there aren't any monopolies, keeping in mind that they are not, the consumers are not being, you know, taken granted for. So, if they are able to create that, I think that will help the consumer. Okay. That will give them the best deal in the market. So, overall, if you see, I think uh, that's a very, very good uh, thing that the RBI is doing. Right, right. that uh, they are setting themselves a target for every 3 years and learning right. from the mistakes and then sort of uh, you know recollecting the pieces and then building something and, better exactly and doing it for every 3 years also ensures that you are never lagging behind exactly. i mean if you build a 10 year plan you know and something you, that comes with exactly. in between might be like you might out. have some disruptive uh, right. you know technologies coming in which might change the face of the world right. immediately so so that's it on so you just uh, uh, spoke about how we ha- how the, the trust is how trust is something that has to be built uh, among mm-hmm. the rural areas mm-hmm. so one very uh, generic question here so uh, we are today technology has become that advanced mm-hmm. that we are using cards which are which are wifi based yeah. which i mean being a person i am also scared very scared of losing my card one day <laughs> if i lose my card probably although they've set a limit the amount of money that can be uh, withdrawn or be mm-hmm. spent on it mm-hmm. but still it's something that's a big deal so yeah. on one level we are going to a place where we don't even need the pin today to to, uh, to you know swipe a card yeah. and to or to access a card whereas on the other hand these people are not even familiar about cards or how what is the concept of otp and all that thing this is a huge gap this is like this is a large large gap was how do you think this is going to get covered because being a consumer myself i get scared at times oh my god you know if i lose my card for these people that 2000 rupee minimum limit is also something that's a big amount big amount yeah so how is how do you think this can be solved because i think one of the ways to look at it is uh, essentially to sort of have more and more competitors coming in i mean uh, you, you take the example of demonetization right. right 
soon after demonetization happened uh, people were forced to look at the digital options right 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 people were forced to look at uh, a couple of players who were basically you know helping them to make digital payments whether it, it was consumers whether it was businesses everybody were forced to align to it so i'm not saying that you need to have such disruptive events to you know educate people right, right. about it but i think over a period of time you know the adoption will happen as and when people as and when you know it, it becomes increasingly difficult for people to sort of deal with cash you know people will slowly and gradually right, move right. to digital kind of options so it's i think not about not a question about whether that will happen it's a question about when that will happen yeah. so given the pace at which uh, the you know the citizens are adopting the digital means of payments or you know of availing credit or any other uh, you know financial services i think it it'll just it's just a matter of time and given the fact that there is a lot of push on the digital empowerment from a government perspective that will happen in the next couple of years and i i think all these things will go hand in hand that is true so today if you see uh, the msmes are being equipped mm-hmm. with all sorts of uh, you know uh, tools technologies and you know the schemes that the government are coming up with and on the other hand you see there's a lot of push on the digital india side yes. so all these things will converge at some point in time yeah. to you know make india a more financially inclusive nation so uh, what do you think what the bank should uh, banks or anybody who's uh, coming up with card should do as in should they uh, segregate it about the how they make card or how they uh, in the kit they give card <laughs> so in that kit should that card be okay if this is somebody who's uh, well aware of technology they should be give, who's you know putting their entire trust in that one chip <laughs> that is right. there okay. and this is okay for them we'll put a uh, pin operated card where okay. this is manually run by them So do you think that is something that can I think, be taken uh, some down? of the financial services uh, organizations or even banks they are cognizant of uh, the kind of audience they are serving right, to right right and uh, i'm sure they will not uh, sort of offer a nfc based card to a remote village right, they right, don't right. have any idea about it uh, you know i think uh, so so the financial services companies are cognizant about it and they are taking care of it basis the kind of audience they are looking at so uh, you know basis you see any and each of these companies they tune in as per the frauds that are happening or as per the ecosystem in which they are operating right so over a period of time they will learn from it and accordingly you know they will serve the right products to the right kind of uh, audience in the market and to educate a lot of uh, advertisements are also being run yeah, by the government yeah. and which is where the point of having a healthy competition comes in if you have yes. more players in the market uh, people will come to know about right, it right. and whether it is you know uh, creating awareness around uh, you know coke or pepsi you know, how how did that happen i mean you know when when you had more players in the market they started advertising and everybody came to know about it so as and when more and more players come in you know they will be able to create that awareness in the market and given the kind of different modes that we have to reach out to the consumers now as against 
some 25 30 years back when you just had doodarshan or you know just a radio to reach out to them today we have multiple channels to reach out yes. to the audience or to the consumers right right and each of them are distributing ads or you know creating some kind or the other kind of awareness right, right. Uh, in the consumers so i think it will happen over a period of time so this is from a transactional point of view mm-hmm. what do you think what is the scope of digital lending for rural areas as in of course the scope is huge but again how will how should that be uh, carried for carried forward so uh, I think I should quote uh, Dr. C. Rangarajan here. Uh, so as per him, the financial inclusion means the process of ensuring access to financial services and timely and adequate credit where needed by vulnerable groups such as you know weaker sections right. and lower uh, income groups at an affordable cost. Exactly. So that is what is financial inclusion as per him. So a, a person, a farmer who is living in the remotest parts, you know, or the remotest village in India, is he able to access uh, financial services right. at a low cost? But at the same time, through a digital mode. And through a, and, and that will happen, uh, you know, if it has to be low cost, it necessarily has, has to, to happen through the digital, digital medium. Yeah. So that is the vision for, you know, a financial inclusion world, you know, or okay. financial inclusion in India, uh, to say. So I think uh, there is every effort that is happening, you know, to be able to facilitate that. A, when you talk about digital means, you know, as we discussed, you know, there's a, there are a lot of initiatives happening from the government perspective, whether it is in terms of linking the Pangram Panchayas, whether it is in terms of creating the public uh, digital infrastructure, or whether it is in terms of sort of uh, electrifying the villages, right, right. I mean, as simple as that. So, these efforts are basically making all these uh, villages digitally compliant. Yeah. On the other hand, if you see on the financial services side, you know, you talk about any regulator today, whether it is RBI, whether it is SEBI, they are putting in that efforts to make these financial services available to the remotest parts of the country. Right. So on top of that, I think I think the third layer, if you see, has been created by the startups. A lot of new startups are coming up with different models to disrupt the entire MSME financing space. Right. So today they talk about uh, lending to you know such different or varied kind of audience, mm-hmm. which the financial services institutions have never even thought of. I mean, you talk about uh, blue-collared workers, right. uh, you know, financing them. You know, payday loans. You're talking about uh, you know salary advances. So a lot of these things were unheard of before. And with the uh, sort of you know funding coming in into all these fintech companies, I think uh, you know these fintech companies are venturing out with different business models mm-hmm. to really make a difference as far as the financial inclusion is concerned. They are ready to take up that risk. They are ready to try out different models because, you know, one thing that has been there with MSME is that the risk perception has been, you know, very bad in front of the, you know, the banks or in front of the NBFCs. Now, 
most of it has not been because they have gone bad or they've you know you know they have been more NPAs in the segment. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they are they are new to credit. Yes. So you don't know whether they will perform good or bad. Right. So given the you know given the fact that the fintech companies are venturing into this space. You know, over a period of time, the database that will come out of uh, all these initiatives will help them form a new segment. I mean, yeah. you know, when you talk about searching for the next 100 million, right? Uh, those are the customers uh, you will see. Right. Which would be an asset for the fintech companies as well as all the new companies who are venturing into this space. Which even the banks would want to, you know, dive into. Right. Right. So, although they are uh, sort of skeptical of getting into this space, mm -hmm. space at this point in time, but once you have that established database, tried and tested uh, set of leads, I think they would also be interested in, you know, aligning them with the mainstream economy. Yeah. So, uh, it's... Again, I would say it's, it's just a matter of time and uh, as and when all these new models mature and the industry becomes more advanced in terms of the you know adoption of uh, fintech services, over a period of time, a new set of consumers will emerge and right. that will basically drive the growth of fintech in India. That is true. So if you had to uh, summarize financial inclusion in your words, mm -hmm. in a statement or a, in a couple of sentences what would it be so financial inclusion for me is you know if you are able to help the remotest uh, village you know a person in a remotest village to be able to get a loan for his daily requirements right. for his you know crop or for his medical emergency or for his uh, children's education you know, in a few clicks, right. I would say that is the real financial inclusion. Uh, that is where, you know, we should aim to be in the next couple of years. I think and only if that happens, will, you know, a country be prosperous in the true sense. Yeah. Because uh, and just by having few, just by 10 or 5% of the people who are earning really well and doing everything that, and they have everything that they want, but there is a huge, huge set of people who uh, don't even have the basic things like you said medical uh, they are not able to cover the medical expenses or fees of their uh, children so mm -hmm. once i think this is achieved uh, then i think india will become like a whole complete absolutely <laughs> absolutely right i think uh, that should be the aim of any government exactly uh, who's there at the center government and the people at the center we really need to be aligned together yeah so thank you so much uh, Anurag, it Pleasure. was great talking to you.